Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you think of a family of five, four of their lives are stolen under the circumstances we know happened. It just makes you feel ill. It makes you feel ill. Hussein Hamdani is a lawyer in Hamilton. He's a member of the Hamilton Mountain Mosque. He's a former member of what uh, was known as the Hamilton Jewish Arab Muslim Dialogue Committee. And I had something to do with the formation of that committee back in the early 2000s. And uh, the committee's objective was to foster dialogue. And uh, the committee members were frequent in-studio guests at CHML. And they were the sponsors of the 2006 presentation of Interfaith Dialogue with Judea Pearl, the father of slain journalist Daniel Pearl, and Professor Akbar Ahmed, the professor of international relations at American University in Washington, D.C. I thought of Hussein when I first encountered this terrible situation in London and called him right away. And it's been a while since we talked. And he joins me on the on the program on the Chorus Radio Network. Hussein, thank you for coming on with us, and uh, condolences to you and everyone in the Muslim community in this country. Uh, Roy, thank you so much for the, the kind words and the condolences. Um, really, uh, really appreciate you saying that, and congratulations on getting your second dose. That's fantastic. I'm so uh, I, I want to congratulate you, and also thank you for this opportunity to speak. Well, I feel lucky that I've had my second dose. Um, well, fortunate, and uh, we'll see. We'll move forward now. Hussein, do you consider the horror of a family of five being attacked in a terrible way and thinking of a nine-year-old boy who has to live with this for the rest of his life, um, four family members dying, is that the action of one deranged individual, or is it a reflection of a greater issue within Canada and an issue specific to Muslims in Canada, do you think? Yeah, no, it's bigger than just one deranged individual. I'm going to share with you and your and your listeners a statistic that should embarrass all Canadians, and that is more Muslims have died in Canada for being Muslim than in any other country in the G7 in the last five years. Think about that. I mean, we we have the smallest Muslim population, um, and yet. We have at least three incidents in which Muslims were murdered simply because they were Muslim by perpetrators who didn't even know them, but just knew that they were Muslim. And so this isn't just happenstance. This isn't just one, you know, murderous individual in London. This, unfortunately, is the third incident in the last five years in which 11 Canadians who are Muslim, have died. And so we need to look at this in a much bigger and broader sense than just a one-off incident that we can just kind of pass off as, you know, sometimes sometimes bad things happen once in a while. You know, that is such a st- shocking statistic that you just quoted about the G7. 
and uh, and Canada and Muslims dying. It really is. It's it, it's it's when you first told me this off the air. It, it, I I looked it up. Not that I didn't believe you, but I looked it up, and it's really really disturbing because we've done programs on on the issue of lack of tolerance and hatred uh, directed toward um, uh, religious uh, groups within the country, particularly. And it's it's right there. It stares right at you. That that number stares right at you. Who said? You know, and, and and look, we're, and we sometimes I may be able to speak personally. I don't want to speak for for all Canadians, but you know, I look at the United States and I think, man, what an awful gun culture they have, and how many mass shootings they have, and and sometimes I may be even smug in thinking that that we're so much better off in Canada because of our you know respect for the rule of law and our tolerance for one another. And yet, even though there's 10 times more Muslims in the United States, Canada still leads that, that, that number of, of murders. When you saw the massive response from the people of London and people in communities across Canada, that must have been encouraging, yeah? Absolutely. It wasn't just like, look, my, my, my emails blew up, my... I know the family. I lived in London for three years, and I know um, uh, the family. One person who spoke at the at the funeral. I'm not sure if all your or if all your listeners got to see it. Doctor Ali Islam. He's a friend of mine, and um, and I know when I when I spoke to him earlier this week, he was saying how how encouraged the family is, how encouraged the community is with the response that we got from. Uh, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but just ordinary Canadians, just ordinary people who said, I'm going to let the community know I stand with them. That was certainly not just encouraging, but it was so needed, you know, at the time. Yeah. Hussein, how would you suggest the issue of communicating with one another and so we understand each other uh, better and don't have these preconceived notions of who we are I thought this morning about the dialogue committee of the early 2000s, which was comprised of members of the Muslim Arab Jewish communities. You were a member of that committee, and you addressed and spoke about divisive realities. That committee's not in 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 in, uh, in, in existence any longer. But is it time for a nationwide series of dialogue committees under a national umbrella objective? You know, it's a great point. Um, Roy, I'm going to take a step back. You know, I was on a uh, advisory committee to the, to the federal government on national security matters between 2005 and 2015. And at first, sorry, with the liberals, and then it was with the conservatives. But I was still on that that committee. And and I, this sounds very simplistic, but I said, look, for us to ensure that we have a more socially cohesive society, we really need to do three things. Um, number one, in no particular order, but just just number one. Every Canadian should feel home in Canada. So the, the government, whether it's federal or provincial, cannot have laws that are disenfranchising. No, no one should feel that they're being targeted by their government, right? And so we could have another discussion about the Quebec's Bill C-21 another time. Number two, communities need to get to know one another. Canadians need to get to know one another. You know, and, and if they do, they would realize that, you know, everyone's worrying about the same thing. Everyone's worrying about their children and their schooling. Everyone's worrying about, you know, just being a, a good person. Everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. That our, our commonalities and our similarities dwarf those of our differences. And then the third point, though, is that 
communities must be self-reflective and have a zero tolerance for the propagation of hate within their communities. And so I know I took that back, and I made sure that within the Muslim community, we didn't have, we didn't have statements that are anti-Indigenous or anti-Semitic or anti-LGBT, whatever it was. Like, we need to make sure we have zero tolerance. And so I, I would say in this now uh, context that we're speaking about, uh, in terms of white supremacy, the last two points really matter. We need to get to know one another. We need to, 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 to realize how close we are. But we also need the allyship. We need the, the partnership of the white community, community to say, look, these guys who are killing are doing so in your name, in white supremacy. So we need you guys as partners and, and collaborators to ensure that this doesn't happen in your name anymore. So it's a multi-pronged uh, effort, I would say, Roy. We, we do need more dialogue, and, and I think the more we love each other and understand each other, the less hatred there will be. But we also need the white community to say to themselves, we can't allow our young people to be so far off doing things in our name that is murderous and, and frankly, un-Canadian. You know, when you mention uh, younger community, and as soon as you, actually before you said that, I was thinking along those terms, and, and my hope is always with younger generations who grow up together, who understand one another because they do grow up together. They do the same things with one another. They enjoy the same activities with one another, and they don't see each other as being different. And I experienced some of that when I was in my early teens, uh, it was a different dynamic, but I and my you know my, my buddies were my buddies, and uh, if yeah. my parents' generation saw uh, their parents differently, that didn't mean I saw them differently. I just saw them as my friends. So the younger generations, I think, are the hope. Would you say? Would you agree? Yeah, y- yes, but there's a but there. Right? Okay, the difference between your generation and and I put myself in you know in my generation and the newer generation is that we didn't have to deal with social media the way these guys do, you know? And, and so no, what happens true. is, you know, when I was young, we had, you know, we had one TV in the house, um, and, you know, we watched hockey together as a, as a family and maybe the news together, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of choices, right? You know, you, you, you watched it, and, you know, if, if you're old like me, you had to get up and turn the channel with your hand, right? Like, it was, we didn't even have remotes when I first started. Um, Nowadays, it's very different. You get on YouTube and you get on the internet, and there's millions upon millions of chat groups, and and so yes, the youth is the hope of the future. But uh, we need to help make sure that they don't go down rabbit holes of prejudice and bigotry. You know, it's all inter- out there. It's interesting you say that because as you were talking. I thought, well, that individual who is charged in London is 20 years of age. Yeah. So, so when I say young people, you're right. There are external influences with the younger generations now that, that I, my generation certainly didn't face and you didn't face. And uh, that, that is a major consideration. Let me ask you this. Um, sure. How do people treat you? Have, you? have you observed, have you experienced inconsistent acts? You know, one, people may say something to your face. And later you'll find out when your back is turned, other things may have been said. Have you run into that? Yeah, it's actually a, it's a very good question. I would say um, yes and no. So when I was younger, growing up in uh, St. Catharines, and, and I love St. Catharines, but I was growing up in St. Catharines as a young boy. I'm, you know, I'm talking, you know, when I was eight years old, nine years old, kind of like how Fulfe as the, the lone survivors. Um, I was rejected service 
at, at grocery stores, I remember one, not, not, I shouldn't use plural, but I remember this. Like, they refused to take my money because it was a neo-Nazi-owned place, and they, they didn't want to serve someone who's, who's non-white. And, and, and that stained me to this day. That's like 40 years ago, and I'm still remembering it like it was yesterday. But, of course, now, Roy, I, I mean, I, I grew up playing hockey and lacrosse. I'm a partner of a law firm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 220 pounds. I, it's not me that people target with Islamophobic uh, sayings and actions. It's, it's not me that they, they usually go after the woman in the mall who's wearing the hijab, who's, you know, walking with her kids. That's, she's the one who often feels the victim. Uh, or that, that man with, uh, you know, the funny name and the, and the darker color skin who can't get a job. Those are the people who face the Islamophobic actions on a day-to-day basis. It's not a guy like me who has command of the English language, who's got a secure job, and right. you know, and, and can hold his own. Right. Um, so, so no, not no, I can't say I face it today to my face, um, but we know it exists. And it's Hussein, it may I, may I do this? May I, yeah. I may I commit to doing a, another program with you and and yeah. get get some other people in on it, uh, and and we'll, you and I will work on that together, and we'll do a show on that. Um, in the very near future. Is that all right? I would love that. Okay. Let's stay in touch for sure, and we will do that program. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 